This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Because if you can tell me what your habits are, I can tell you what sort of a person you are. I can tell you what your future looks like. But like I always say, life is 10% what happens to you. It's 90% what you do about it. The people who are most effective in the workplace believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past. When people don't believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past, they begin to disengage. You're listening to The Circuit of Success, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve success in every facet of life, only on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Now, your host, Brett Gilliland. Welcome to The Circuit of Success. I'm your host, Brett Gilliland. Today, I'm excited. I got a buddy here, uh, Colonel Jason Glenn. What's up, buddy? What's going on, Brett? It's How good are to be you? With you, good above, to have above you. Above average, as I like to say. Above average, I like that. I like that. Before we get started, though, I do have to mention that nothing from this episode is endorsed by the federal government, the Air Force, or any of its components. All content and opinions are those of our guest, Jason Glenn, in his personal capacity, and uh, here with me on the Circuit of Success. So again, man, thanks for being with us. You are representing Singer, California, in your hat there, aren't you? That's a fact. Yes, uh, proud of my roots. Grew up a uh, small town in the Central Valley of California, just outside of Fresno and uh, proud of the friends I made. And, and that's definitely a part of who I am. I love it. So when you grew up in Sanger, California, who do, you, who do we root for? What teams? Well, I was a San Francisco Giants fan, remain okay. so to this day. So yeah. not a bad, uh, no. not a bad team to be affiliated with no. over the past decade yeah. or so. Every other year you had a world series for right? a while there. Yeah. It was, yeah. So, yeah, that's awesome. Trying to get back there. Well, you are uh, the commander of the 375th Mission Support Group. You lead 1,500 people, man, and serving 13,000 personnel, which is a that's, a that's a big job. And I know a lot going on uh, in your world, so happy to talk about it. But if you can, just maybe give us a little lay of the land. You talk about growing up in Sanger, California, but what, what kind of got you on this and what's made you the man you are today? Well, it started with, you know, a conversation that honestly at the time was a little bit unpleasant with my dad. And he said, hey you know, don't really have a plan for you to go to college uh, financially. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he said you can kind of take it the hard way or the easy way. And his definition of the easy way was to go to one of the service academies. And so, uh, (laughs) you know, a little difference of opinion at the time, but, you know, perhaps he knew something that I didn't at the time. And so that was sort of the path as I wanted to, you know, a, a top tier education, which I felt that I could get at the Air Force Academy and you know, I was, this is not an unusual story from people who are in the military, but after my initial commitment was up, I was having way too much fun and uh, way too excited about what I was doing to yeah. get out. And so here I am, you know, 23 years later. Wow. 23 years later. And so did you have people in your family that were in the military or is that more of just something that was your only way to get to college? No, my dad had been a Vietnam in Vietnam. He was in the Navy, okay. Brownwater Navy and small river boats. So that was always a part of, you know, I knew that was part of our family. His brother had also served. So we had some military service in the family, but um, I think I am the first person to be an officer. So that was kind of cool at awesome. the time. 
That's very cool. That's very cool. So how do you, I, I always like to talk to military guys, man, you guys, one, you, you're, you sacrifice so much with your family and, and deploying and all the stuff that you guys do. It's absolutely amazing. So thank you for that. And, but I, I always love the, the planning side of things that you guys do. And I've been on base with you just, I mean, the things that go on out there is, is unbelievable. I don't think people realize in this area, but, but for you, let's, let's start with how do we define leadership and how do you define success? So kind of two questions there. Sure. So leadership is all about influence and impact. So I don't view leadership from a positional standpoint. I just view it as how much influence you can have wherever you sit in the organization. So there's situational leadership, there's organizational leadership, there's all those type of things that I think really roll it up. And it just sort of depends on where you fit and where you happen to be at the point in time in, in the absence of leadership lead. Yeah. And so that in a nutshell is how I look at that. I, in the military, we're obviously very sensitive to rank, but I'm, I've always been of the mindset that, you know, competence is far more important than rank. So you can be a leader, whether it's leading yourself and leading by example, or you can be a person who's at the top of the organization yeah. having tremendous influence. Yeah. That reminds me before we go to the success one that we maybe a couple of weeks ago, we were at lunch and I was talking about the leader who had no title by Raman Sharma, that book and it's phenomenal. It says exactly what you just said, because you could be at the bottom of the rung, right? But if you've got ideas and, and things that you think can bring the table, still bring it to the table, still do it and still lead and be the best and be dominate where you're at. Right. There's no question. I mean, it, the ceiling is your own. You're yours alone. And whatever you can do, and it's always about investing in yourself. And if you, some people are more naturally inclined, I think, to leadership, but it's certainly all about how you prepare to get better and how, again, how much influence your people are having because of what you're doing and your actions. So how do you define success? I would say success is, you know, we're, when you talk about the military, the first word that comes to mind is mission. So success is accomplishing the mission. What's the goal? You know, there's a, there's a famous, there's, there's lots of, of books on uh, goal setting and things like that. But in, in, in the military, it's the mission. So are you getting the mission done and are you accomplishing, you know, that in, in a, in a way that's world-class yeah. and that's, that's kind of how I look at it. Yeah. So how, how has planning played a role for you personally, but also professionally, because to your point, there is a mission, we got to go accomplish it, but, but talk about the planning and kind of how that plays out in your world. Are you talking about military planning or more? Yeah, kind of the well, I guess you could. That's yeah, a great question. Kind of maybe both. But let's let's start from a leader, right? So you, you manage these fifteen hundred people serving thirteen thousand personnel. So take that, take the military hat off for a little bit, which which we are anyway. But uh, talk talk about it from a leadership standpoint. What you do to plan to get ready for and to go out and conquer that mission. Okay, so from a personal standpoint. The, the planning comes down to, ha- uh, to me, it's, it's one in the same with, it's planning in the military and it's really the same for, for an individual is mm-hmm. about ends, ways, and means, and then risk. Those are the four components that we look at. Yep. The end state that you want to be at, the ways that you're going to get there, the resources that you're going to use, and then factoring in the risk that is uh, each of your actions is going to have and the implications of your actions. So in a nutshell, that's, pl- that's the military planning system. And it, it equates well to your personal life as well. Where do you want to get to? Yep. 
what tools are you going to use? And then, you know, what resources are you going to have in order to get there? Yeah. And you think about it too, from a risk standpoint, I mean, you you guys are talking about life and death, right? I mean, not everything, but a a lot of what we're talking about, especially when we go to war, life and death. And that that takes a whole nother level of planning because you've got to worry about your people, right? Well, you absolutely do. And the military takes planning seriously. Yeah. And you, we have professional courses where you learn to plan. Right. And we have people who are professional planners. Uh, so the, it, it definitely takes a different, when you're talking about the, the risk involved in our greatest asset, which is the, you know, the, the military members themselves, mm-hmm. it absolutely, uh, it's very important. And the military treats it with that kind of respect. Yeah. Yeah. So when you, um, when, when you think about that planning side, how much of it are you doing on your own personal life that has helped you plan to get to where you are now a colonel in the United States Air Force? Well, the goal, I think, initially as, was not anything based on rank, and it really never has been for me. Uh, it's been I've, I've enjoyed leading teams. And so your mission statement is often defined for you. Where do you need, what's the mission of the organization that you're in? And so uh, for me personally, it's like, what sort of competencies and skills do I need to develop to contribute to that mission? And that's true again, no matter where you are in the ladder, no no matter where you are in the, in the, in the hierarchy. Yeah. So does that come from like a SWOT analysis? Those that don't know, most probably do listen to this strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Does it come from doing something like that? Or is it something totally different? Because we don't always know exactly what our weaknesses are and what we need to work on. Right. I think all those tools are helpful. The, you know, whatever assessments you have, I believe pretty strongly in having a, a 360 degrees of feedback. Yep. So people that you work for and understanding what, you know, getting their assessment of how you're doing, your peer group, people that you work for, all yeah. are very important to, to do in that. When you talk about SWOT analysis, particularly strengths and weaknesses, I'm of the mindset that your even your strengths eventually taken to an extreme can be liabilities. Yep. You know, um, speaking for me personally, and you know, this is, I, I stay tuned into this, you know, attention to detail is something that comes more naturally to me than others, but taken <clears throat> to an extreme that can slow things down. Yeah. And so I stay tuned in with subordinate leaders and people that, that I trust to give me candid feedback yeah. Uh, to make sure that I'm hitting the sweet spot yeah. on that. And how often are you doing one of those 360s? So it, in the military, we're much more, it, less than 360, where you're getting more feedback from you, the person you work for than you are those others. <laughs> like a 180. But, you, but, but, but you can be deliberate about it. So you know we're, we're required to do regular feedbacks with each person that we write a performance report on. Okay. So those happen, you know, on average at least once a year. And then with the rotation, you know, when a person first arrives and you have that relationship starting, you normally set, do an initial uh, feedback and expectations yeah. brief with them to get them, get them off on the right foot and have, you know, a level set on, you know, where you're coming from and what yeah. you expect of them. Yeah. Which I think is huge for the culture, right? Looking at it from a business standpoint. I mean, if the expectations are clear, uh, there's a better likelihood you're going to hit the mission, right? Versus no expectations, no, no clarity, no communication, bad things will probably happen. You agree with that? Probably one of the most important things is, is to, as I said, level set that expect the expectations you're talking about. And it's, it's everything from the big picture things down to here's how I like to communicate. Here's how I like to receive information. Here are Mm -hmm. the, you know, the things that 
my pet peeves and things that, you know, I, I, I'm not happy with, you know, if they happen. So just setting all those things up front, being proactive with it tends to set the, you know, tends to set it, uh, set you up for success. I love that. And again, I just think about clarity I, to say Robin Sharma's name again. He talks about clarity precedes mastery. And, you know, the clearer we can be with each other, right? Our relationship, if we're going to work together, the clearer we are, the better likelihood of success that we have. So let's talk about difficult conversations, man, because I think as leaders and people listen to this, we have to have difficult conversations. Maybe, maybe it's at home, maybe it's at work, maybe it's with your child, maybe it's just with a friend, right? So what do you do to mentally prepare for that? to go in and know that that conversation I'm getting ready to have is going to be extremely difficult. Well, it's a great question. And it's one that is probably the most important things in communication because it comes so unnaturally to people. People do not like to be candid, you know, so getting to a crucial or difficult conversation, there's, there's books on this, but getting to those conversations you have to overcome that natural barrier that you're going to feel, which is an uneasiness to telling somebody how it is. And and in particular, when it's constructive, uh, telling them how it is and and being able to overcome that. So it's almost a mental, it's some mental agility up front to do that. And then it gets easier with practice. So I tend to be pretty direct with folks and uh, that, you know, sometimes I have to, have that conversation and initial feedback. I tend to be direct. I'm, I'm going to tell you the good, bad, and the ugly. Yeah. And so uh, the mental preparation is I like to write things down before one of those conversations. I like to actually write down the, the main points, not an exact narrative, like I'm giving a prepared speech, but yeah. sitting down and with bullet points, these are the things I want to cover. Because naturally the stress, you're, you're, you're naturally probably a little bit more stressed than usual when you're going into this emotional conversation with somebody or what you know can turn emotional really quickly. So having the, the, the safety net of, of some notes really helps. And then I've rehearsed a few of those conversations in the past as well. Yeah. Well, I think the visualization that's huge, right? Anything in life, if we can visualize what's going to happen, I'm a big golfer. So I see golfers, right? They visualize that shot going on the green and then making the putt and, and, and seeing it happen. And then when you get up there, you, you've already seen it. Right. And so I think that's huge for you to be able to do that. Yeah. It's a mental model. It's, yeah. it's being able to walk through it. It's the same, um, same thing before giving a, a big speech or yeah. something like that is here's what you expect to happen. And then you can pick up, yeah. uh, you can pick up on the, where it deviates, where the reality deviates right. from what you expected and, and you can adjust. So how many of those conversations hasn't gone as planned and uh, what have you done to kind of reboot and uh, bring them back, bring the, bring the train back on track, if you will? So Brett, I would say the ones that I can remember that have gone bad have come down to poor word choice on my part. Mm. And so that's why probably led to the the point (laughs) I just mentioned of writing it down. But, you know, I've said some things that people, people will insert the intent that they think you have based on whatever they've they've conceived it in their, their minds. So that's why the, the first part actually, before you even get to those kind of conversations is actually to establish a relationship of trust because then the intent part is more clear. And if they know that you are having a difficult conversation with them, 
because you're interested in them getting better at something and you're interested in their career progression, or if it's actually something that benefits them, it's a lot easier to have that conversation. It's a lot easier for them to hear. Yeah. Well, I think what I've learned over the last eight and a half years at Visionary Wealth Advisors, my business partner, Tim Hammett, he talks about his intentions and motives all the time. Right. And early on, I was like, well, this is kind of cool. You know, I've not, I've not seen that. But still to this day, I know where he's going, right? You can almost see the body language. You know when you're going to talk about it. And what I've learned is the more I can share my intentions or share my motives with you on whatever the thing is that we're going to talk about, maybe I can eliminate that piece of the difficult conversation. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I can think of, there. there's a lot of them where you don't, if you know somebody well enough, I would argue the feedback is built in. Like mm. you, by saying nothing, they can tell you're not happy with something yeah. and make an adjustment because they've worked with you and they understand what the standard is yep. or they understand where you're trying to go. Um, part of that comes with, you got to do some self-evaluation too, and you got to make sure your motive motives are, are on point and where you want them. That's right. You know, cause you may, you may have some ego that's starting to pop in and creep its way into <laughs> yeah. what you're thinking about. And you got to make sure that you've sort of yeah. tamped some of that down. Yeah. So let's talk about fears. Uh, people listen to this, hear me say this all the time. The fears we put in our mind, how many of them have actually blown up to the magnitude you put them in your mind to be? Certainly almost none. And I think yeah. it's something I, I've certainly dealt with is what, you know, any number of things where, whether it's being, you know, I've been in, in uh, deployed environments where, where things are dangerous and of course been worried about some of that. But at the end of the day, you know, you just, I'm, I'm a person of faith. I know you are as well. And, uh, you know, you, you ultimately rely on that. Yeah. Uh, and that, that's true with any fear that I've ever had, no matter what. So, yeah. So walk us through that though, because you mentioned that, you know, the deployments. I mean, I, I've thought in, in with buddies in the past being living where we're at, obviously you get to know people. And then unfortunately those people, they fly the coop, man. And they're, they're not here anymore. Uh, this is what you're going to be doing here <laughs> soon. But, but so talk about that, man, I'm on this long flight. I'm going over to ABC place and, and it's, it's going to be dangerous, right? So, I mean, what's that like? Walk us through that, the emotions, the fear, the thoughts on that final plane ride in. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's more just the unknown. I mean, you, you have, you, you, you rarely do anything alone in the military is yeah. what I found. So trusting your training becomes really important, trusting your preparation and trusting your teammates. So I think we've said the word trust already in this conversation, you know, maybe close to a dozen times, yeah. but that's to me the most important thing. So what it feels like, and you know, I, I haven't, um, again, uh, relying on relying on faith and trusting your teammates being knowing that you're ready based on the preparation yeah. that you put in it really knocks down a lot of those fears and you know the trepidation you might have and honestly looking back i think some of the most dangerous situa situations i've ever been in probably i've been the most calm for whatever reason hmm. um, and and i don't i i think the preparation. Say, I think others would say the same thing. Well, it's, it, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure I can fully capture why that is, but when I look back at it, you know, being in some, some combat areas and, and some, uh, some tight spots, as you might say, like some of those times I've been completely at ease and, and completely ready, wow. almost in like a flow state, you might say. Yeah. So it's strange. I'm not sure I can map that out for you here, but yeah. you know, I, I really have to, I think it comes down to, to those things I mentioned with, you know, 
trust in all of those things, whether from faith all the way down to your, you know, the, the wingman that you have on your left and right. Yeah. But I think it does come back to that preparation too. I mean, you, you, you've, you've played through this scenario a million times out in training, you know, and wherever you guys are training and doing your thing, you've played through it in your mind or a baseball player has been there or a golfer or a, or a business person. I remember me as a new young financial advisor in my early twenties, I would literally, this is back when you had a recorder, right? You didn't do it on your phone. I, I would have a voice recorder and I would drive to meetings and I can remember driving to them and I would record myself what I was going to say when I sat down with that potential client. And then I'd play it back I'm like, oh, that sounds terrible. And then I would do it again, right? And so I think that preparation is so critically important for us, no matter what we do in our day-to-day lives, prepare, over-prepare every single day. So then when it's your time to go to the at-bat, you're ready to rock. No, there's no question about it. I mean, it's... It, it really calls to mind something that I read recently. And, and there's a little story that goes with this, but uh, there's Vince Lombardi was fond of saying, apparently, run to win. Yeah, okay. And, and that, that actually is based in a, in a verse in Corinthians. But um, what I went and did a little further research on that. And what I found is he talked a lot about preparing to win. So, you know, Everybody wants to win, yeah. you know, but it's a different when you win based on luck than when you based on how, how you prepared. Yeah. And to me, that's a critical point. Uh, everybody likes winning. It's not a matter of wanting to win, although that you have to have that too. Yeah. It's about preparing and knowing almost, you know, knowing that you're yeah. going to win before yeah. you do it. Yeah. So and this just popped in my mind. I didn't even, I wasn't even thinking about this uh, when I was going to ask you, but I think about when you think about winning, Again, I remember back as a young financial advisor, different things I would do. And I thought, man, if I do this, you know, the bells and whistles are going to go off. The stuff's going to fall out of the ceiling. And sometimes we can, quote unquote, win. And there's not the pomp and circumstance that comes with it. And I think that we're usually the most susceptible to failure right after victory. Right. So, again, that person driving down the road right now and you're thinking about this victory, but yet you have this hollow feeling of like, I thought it would be different. Right. Have you ever had that? And if so, what did you do to maybe overcome that and, and enjoy the ride? I'm not sure I've experienced like a hollow feeling after something. And, you know, you always you're always uh, if anything, I've been motivated by any success that I've had, you know, especially those that you accomplish in, in teams. Yeah. I think those are particularly rewarding, but I find it to be just more motivating for, hey, what's the next what's the next thing? Like, yeah. You know, I, I haven't really felt hollowed out or, or let down, you know, after, you know, being part of a team that gets something done that's really meaningful, Yeah. Uh, for, for example. Are you, are you good at slowing down and celebrating the big milestones? I think I'm good at celebrating anything, Brett, really. I mean, <laughs> was, give me an excuse. But right. um, I, I think, I think um, self-assessment might be, you know, I, I think I'm, I feel a lot of, uh, I feel a lot of satisfaction for some of the things that have happened. You know, like I said, we're, we're, we're tuned into rank in the military. So each, each one of those milestones is very important. I've always uh, tried to, to uh, take the time at at each of those to recognize people who got Mm -hmm. me there because there, you don't do much of anything without uh, others, you know, being part of that effort. So I I think uh, when, when, when successes have happened, uh, one of the things I try and do is, is, uh, reflect. And I write a lot of notes, 
uh, to people for when they've had impacts That's good. And, uh, and things like that. So uh, I try to celebrate successes and, and I try to be introspective and appreciate maybe what my role was in that. But I also uh, really do appreciate the other, other teammates. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's huge when you talk about the note. I mean, I like to write some notes to people too. And I mean, how many times you get a note in today's world, right? You Rarely. get the text, you get the email, but a note's a big, big deal. I think it's memorable. I, I've I've had a lot of feedback from people who, when I do write a note, they'll it, it resonates. Yeah, it seems like it hits uh, you know harder than uh, than an email does. Although email is great too. Yep. You know, taking the, any bit of time to recognize somebody else, it, it makes people feel good. I think yeah. it, it builds, it reinforces relationships. Yep. Yeah. 100% agree with that. So, um, future greater than your past. So, our mission statement here at Visionary Wealth Advisors, right, is helping people achieve a future greater than your past. So, no matter where they're at, if they work in our firm, they're a client, somebody in the community, we're focused on that, right? That future greater than your past. So, when you hear that, what comes to mind for you? The first thing is self improvement. The first thing is, you know, investing, continuing to invest in yourself. You know, I, I, you have to be a lifelong learner. Yep. You know, you have to invest in things now in your business. So, you know, I'm, <laughs> you, know you, you could be t- uh, teaching me a lot more about this than I, I can you, but you obviously have to have a longer view and take actions now that are going to pay off in the future. Right just like developing, I'm, I'm a civil engineer by training. And so, you know, if you're focused only on repairing the buildings you have and not investing in the, the future infrastructure and you're not paying down by, uh, you know, if you're not burning down risk, as we say, um, for the future by starting plans now to build something, you're, you're unlikely to achieve that future greater than the past. Well, I think that's a great segue if I could. So, so when you think about that is I think leaders um, are, are paid to think about the future, right? So our future greater than your past. Again, I, I read something one time, or maybe it was a business coach told me, he's like, you, you take McDonald's, for example, somebody gets paid an hourly wage to manage the 90 second goal they have to get you through the drive through right? 90 seconds. That person gets paid X, right? But then the person that has to manage the whole team of those people gets paid a little bit more. And then the person that has to manage that shift. And then the person has to manage that store. And then the person has to manage that region. And the person that then manages as the CEO of all of McDonald's, for example, that, that pay scale is different, but they're also, the CEO is worried about 20 years from now, what's McDonald's look like. Whereas that person on the front lines is worry about 90 seconds. So the timeline we have to manage is a bigger deal. The longer you go in leadership, right? So when you think about that, what comes to mind for you when I say that? Well, I really like the time horizon as you laid it out, but I, I like that, that urgency and importance matrix. I think I've heard it called the Eisenhower matrix before, but you know, if you break down uh, into a a quad chart, urgency, importance on the, on the, the axes, you know, you want to, you need to be spending less time in the urgent, not important. And you need to be spending more time in the not urgent important, because yeah. those are typically the things that take time to develop. And, you know, you want to be the type of person who 10 years from now, whoever's sitting in your seat says, I'm really glad they thought of that. <laughs> right. And I'm really glad that they started working on it. Cause you know, things take time to develop and you got to test things. And usually the first draft of anything like, like Hemingway, the first draft of anything is usually garbage. That's a paraphrase. Uh, but that's true in anything. So you have to spend the time to, 
go through all of that process and go through the, the heavy lifting of the real uncomfortable part where things aren't quite right yeah. because eventually they lead to some pretty overwhelming successes. Yeah. So when, when you think about it, you've, you've heard me and you've probably seen this black journal, right? So I, I use my black journal all the time. There's, you know, five or six of them, six of them over here. And, and so that's important to me. And then my daily planner that you've seen. And, and so when you think of that stuff for you, is, is it note taking? Is it think time that it's strategically put on your calendar? How, how do you do that? And what would you recommend to our listeners? Well, I have systems like you have, and, and I use the, the small pocket size field notes. And, yeah. and I've got, you know, a stack of those that, that, uh, that I use to take notes. You have to write things down. I yeah. mean, you know, I, I had a previous boss who said, you know, you, you, you have the same jar of marshmallows that, you know, as you get older, the marshmallows go from those jumbo size ones to the smaller yeah. ones that you got to keep track of, but your brain's still that same size. So, hmm. you know, you got to have systems for doing that. Um, I will say, you know, in a candid moment that, you know, organization is, is something that I'm, I, I continue to work at because it may not be the most natural skill to me. Uh, so I have to have systems and I, I honestly, it's one of those things when you, you start talking about your team and you say, Hey, I might need somebody else looking out for this. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. you know, I may say, Hey, I need you. I need to, I use the calendar to be disruptive and to schedule things out because I know I'm not going to remember right. them and I know I might not do them if they're not scheduled. So everything that's important has to be on the calendar and the things that in a, in a, in an or military organization, many of those things can be recurring appointments that last years yeah. uh, that help, you know, two successors from or more from where you are in being able to know that something's important, yep. you know, because continuity is something that we struggle with a lot because we're constantly rotating. So every job, every command position, those all is vacate on, on average, probably every two years, certainly on the command positions. And so establishing continuity of what's important and all the compliance based things that we have to deal with, it's important to have those systems. So I use other people to balance out things that don't come as naturally to me. And I have, you know, the, the notebook approach that you laid out. So the schedule, the notebook, um, the, the discipline to do the planning, you know, whether it's daily planning in the morning or weekly planning is a huge advantage for me. So just structuring that into your day yeah. is kind of how I put it. And that's so helpful for me to hear it. I mean, time and time again, you know, I do it. I'm a believer in it, but it's, it's good to hear from other leaders that it's so important. I think it's good for people to hear that, that every weekend and week out on the show too, is to talk about the planning side of it. And I don't personally, I don't think enough people block time off for themselves and I don't mean block time off to, you know, to go to a spa or to go, go I mean, like literally you sit down with a notebook and, and, I, and so I would tell anybody that's listening, just do it, try it, take some notes. And, and so I want to spend uh, to the next thing. I want to read some, some numbers here. And I think this is important is reading. I know you and I share that common theme that we believe in reading. And so I don't know if I've ever shared these before and it, it's just math. So this isn't like I made something up, but think about, so this is 10 pages a day. So I started this about six years ago. I got so tired of being the guy that said, okay, I'm going to have a book. I'm going to read it. And then it would set on my nightstand and I'd read like 35 pages of it. Right. So 10 pages a day, 3,650 pages in a year. That's basically 20 business books a year. Go out five years. That's 18,250 pages. It's about 95 to hundred books. 10 years, it's 182 to 200 books. And I write down, where will you be in 10 years? So think about that. 10 pages a day sounds easy, right? But if I told you in 10 years, you were going to read 36,500 pages, or if I said, just go read that, that's very difficult. 
right? So when you talk about reading, how important is that to you, to your success and where you're at today? If your listeners take away one thing, it's that reading is important. And I, I have one, I've loved to read. So it comes naturally to me, but I think it's important even for those who don't read. And there's other ways to consume that type of material with audiobooks and other different ways, but it's the learning that's really important. And so, and, and I think if you look at most successful people, yeah. creatives, executives, doesn't matter. You're going to find that many of them are readers. Interesting thing I learned, I was just at the rock and roll hall of fame yeah. there in Cleveland, Ohio yeah. on recent vacation. And I was fascinated because one of the exhibits was Elvis Presley and it said that he carried around with him like some 200 books that he would re read and reflect on. And some of them were there, you know, pictured and he had margin notes in there. And I think you'll find that replicated across many successful leaders. And so I think it's really important that you're deliberate about reading. I like to read widely. I like to, you know, I like military stuff, but I like to read fiction. I like to read all manner of things. I keep a running, uh, you know, top 10 list of books that I hand out to people yeah. of things that have really resonated with me. You and I have, have talked about some of those and shared some of those. So reading is so important. Uh, there's a, there's a, you know, there's a, a, a slogan that goes something like, you know, not, um, not all readers lead, but all leaders yeah. read. I think I've found yeah. that to be true more often than not. Yeah, Henry Ford, I think, said that. D don't know who it was attributed to. I think it was to, Henry so. Ford said, "All readers, uh, not all readers lead, but all leaders read." Right, which is, is that which what, is true. Yeah. Hopefully, that's yeah. what I said. Yeah, if I think I got, that's what you said. Yeah, exactly. Then. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly, exactly right. Yeah, I think I just think it's critical, and I, I love what you do too. Is you, you make a note on on who told you about the book and what the book was. And I think that's, that's cool because you think about when you go to the bookstore, if you're like me, I mean, there's 9 million books in here. It's like, what in the hell am I going to pick? Right. But yet if somebody you trust told you it's a good book for me, that's a no brainer. Like if you tell me there's a good book, I'm going to buy it. Like I'm going to buy that book and it's going to show up, you know, with Amazon, you know, in about 13 hours of my doorstep and I got the book. So I think that's important to do that. Until I recommend a bad one anyway. Yeah, exactly. Right? No, so, yeah. no I, I have a, an Evernote note that I keep that has, you know, a reading list. And, and I do like to put partially, I, I, I started putting who recommended it because I, there were a few times when I just couldn't remember. And I, I like to give people feedback. I'm like, yeah. hey, I really appreciate you recommending that. And if I have a chance to read it. So, yeah, I use that. And I have a thing I shared with you before. I have kind of a rule of three that I'll, I'll use for reading yeah. and a lot of different things. If I hear it for a third time, I'm like, that's probably something I ought yeah. to look at. So I right. use little little rules of thumb like that as well. So what are you doing on the days? And maybe you don't have these. Uh, I don't have them often, but I think it's important. And I think it's okay to, to have them every now and then too. But what I'm talking about is days you don't want to do it, right? Days you may not want to go do the grind. Uh, what do you do to just do it anyway? Right out of uh, David Allen's get things done, what's the next action and do it, however small it is. That to me, it's the first step is all, you know, and I, I, I'm a master procrastinator, a recovering procrastinator. So <laughs> I have to do that or I will put stuff off. And so it's whatever that small, large or small, whatever the next action is that needs to be yeah. happened needs to be done. Um, that's what I, that's, that's the best advice I can give is, and here's why 
oftentimes what seems so overwhelming is not. And so I'm, I'm working on a, one of my hobbies and, and I'm not a, I'm not a, uh, you know, experienced mechanic, but I picked up this old 84 Mercedes 300 D diesel <laughs> and I've been working on that. And, and, you know, some of those problems, you know, some of the problems that present with a car that's that old, you don't know where to start. And, but I've, I, I recently fixed something that was like a 20, you know, as the air conditioning wasn't working, it was like a $27 part. Yeah. And when I saw how easy it was, I was irritated at myself that it took me almost a year to take on that job. Wow, yeah. And so, you know, th- th- that's the that's the really the salient point here is to take the first step, whatever it is, write it down, put it on your to-do list and say, this is if I if before I go to bed, I'm going to get this this next action done and that moves things forward. Yeah. And then setting deadlines is really important too. I mean, having some accountability with a deadline internal or external really helps is how many meetings have you been in where you have an hour long meeting at the end of it, you, nobody established the next action. Nobody set a deadline for anything. And and you find out you need to have another meeting to make up the ground you lost. So, yeah, yeah. Deadlines are huge, man. It's what makes things happen. I think put a deadline out there. It's going to happen. So, um, talk to us about the best advice you've been given. If you think back, you've probably worked with tons of great leaders in your world and, and, uh, but is there that one moment that that guy or gal gave you some feedback or gave you some advice that has stuck with you uh, to the, till today? Best advice. That is, well, there's a well there. I got to think about that for a minute. Um, I've been given, I've been, I've had the privilege to work for a lot of great leaders who have given me a ton of advice. Um, my dad and mom gave me a ton of advice growing up. Um, I think the, the big thing probably from, uh, from my parents is, you know, you got, it means something to be a Glenn. I mean, you have a, you have a built in reputation that you're, you're not going to let the family down, right? We take care of each other. We stand up for each other. We take care of our friends when we, all these principles that they built into that simple statement that it really means something, you know, to be a member of this family. And I can see that and feel that when I go to extended family in Minnesota. Um, and, and so that's a source of pride. So I don't know that that's advice per se. It's more of an expectation. Um, you know, other, other things that I've learned in, in the military is, you know, you, you've got to push outside your comfort zone. Almost everything that's worth doing is really hard. So never taken, never always being willing to put the work in, show up, you know, what are you going to, what are you, where are you trying to get to understand the steps to do it and then just get after it. Yep. So what, what do you do? I mean, I know you're obviously a family guy as well. And you know, I see it at the baseball field and all that stuff. And, but what do you do to stay in the moment? Because I think it can be really hard as leaders and just people that want to keep charging and keep going and doing things. I know I talked to friends about it as well that, I mean, it's like, you're there, but maybe, maybe you're not in that moment. Do you have anything that you've done over the years to, to stay there? And, and, Are you and, talking and, about sort of some of the mental clutter that you deal with when you're not present or you where Yeah, you, well that, or, but even like, but like being in the like being at the baseball game, maybe you can be physically there, but mentally you're, you know, you're over here doing whatever you're thinking about this thing at work, or you're thinking about that thing you got to go do. 
ha- have you done anything or any any advice you'd have for well, people? Well, it doesn't come naturally in this age when you're when you have a hundred distractions and right. we're we're sort of tethered to our electronic devices because we have you know resp- responsibilities that have to be attended to. Um, I I think it's just a, a being deliberate and and saying I'm gonna I'm not you know if you catch yourself even unwittingly looking at your phone, like I'm going to put my phone away for the, for the rest of this baseball game and I'm going to tune in. Um, conversations are another one where, you know, you, you have to, the, the best technique I think for staying tuned into conversations is to assume value in the person that you're talking to. Uh, you have, I have something to learn from you in this conversation and that's going to be true really of most people. You're better at, at something or probably many things, uh, than I am. And so assuming that value and, and, and that helps you tune in and stay present in a conversation when your mind wants to take you elsewhere or your mind wants to think about what you're going to say in response. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So, um, while we're on that subject, just about those types of things, let's talk about a support system. I mean, I mean, how critically important is your support system? I think we've talked, you're, You've lived in how many locations? I'd have to do the math. It's up in the in the teens, so yeah. I think it's like close to thirteen places yeah, so now. Thirteen places that doesn't just happen, right? That that comes with a support system. Doesn't mean it's always easy, but that support system at home, I think, is is also a very very critical point for people uh, when they're thinking about their success. And I know they probably know that, but I think to slow down and really acknowledge it. And, and embrace it that that's a critically important part for our success. Oh, it is. And, 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 you know, in my, in, in the military, you say you, you definitely want to run out of air force before you run out of family. Yeah. And sometimes it doesn't work out that way for people, sadly, but yeah, you, you, you hit it. I growing up in Sanger back to that and, and kind of bookending that piece is I still have a lot of the same friends that I grew up with. Yeah. And so, you that's know, I, cool. uh, I, I do rely on, on those friendships. I rely on, on family. You know, my wife and two kids are, are obviously add a lot of meaning for why, you know, I do what I do in the first place and are, you know, a reliable source of, of, uh, strength and consolation, whatever the moment calls for. I love that. So, uh, most of the time we will uh, talk about, you know, websites and where our listeners find, but here's what I find about you military guys, man, I can't do any dirt on you guys. I can't find any research on you. You do a good job of staying low key. I like that. I like that. Well, for, for me, you know, you're down, I'm down to like my last two days in this particular (laughs) position, but for the moment you can always find me directly on a public website, you know, for, uh, for the base where I am. So, um, but yeah, I, I, I don't keep a, a, a real high, social media profile, yeah. you know, but, uh, is good. Know, but, uh, people, people can get, still get a hold of me. You know, they right. can always reach out. They can to always you. find me and I'll find That's you right. wherever you're at in the world, man. Well, it's been awesome having you on the circuit of success, Jason. It's been fun, man. And getting to know you here in the last year. I know I've been on base with you. You've come to some of our firm stuff and, and spoke to our group. And so it's just been awesome getting to know you. Thanks again for your service and your continued service. I know you're heading down to Miami, right? We are. And yeah, let me back up to just say, Hey, that feeling's mutual, Brett. I've enjoyed getting to know you and, and, uh, you're had an opportunity to visit with your team and and share some leadership advice. Appreciate you coming out to impart some of your experience and wisdom with our team. Uh, but yes, uh, onward to Doral, Florida, going to join a a team down there and, and, uh, we're excited about that. So it'll it'll open a new chapter in the, 
in in the, this military journey. Love it, man. Well, thanks for being with us on the Circuit of Success, and uh, we'll look forward to uh, seeing you and watching your journey along the way, man. Thanks, Brett. Tune in next week for another episode of The Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and through our website, circuitofsuccess.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and email any questions to info at circuitofsuccess.com. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm.